now playing Hoxton Movies with the Genesis Cinema, only on Hoxton Radio. Hello and welcome to Hoxton Movies on Hoxton Radio. You've got Nikki, Matt and Morton in the studio. This week is our second to last show of the year. Oh, oh you didn't do our full names. Sorry, Nikki Alexandru, Matt Williams, <laughs> Morton Wright. It doesn't quite have the same impact <laughs> when you do it with such sarcasm. Sorry, I know. <laughs> um, that song we just played was The Offspring, The Kids Aren't Alright, from our soundtrack of the week, which this week is The Faculty, because we have a special guest, Sophie Hamilton, coming on to talk about the faculty now morton thought it was going to be an in defense of but no morton it is the film that changed her life and we're going to see i'm dying to hear what she says I, i'm really intrigued mm. i'm imagining it's going to be something to do with just like introducing her to like teen horror or horror or something like that. well yeah because it's kind of like the breakfast club meets i know what you did yeah. last summer meets the thing you know there's all those elements in it so it's sort of like all those movies in one for a teenage audience yeah and the screenplay is by the person who wrote scream and i know what you did last summer so that fits. <laughs> yeah. and dawson's creek so it's basically dawson's, dawson's creek. creek it's less it's, it's dawson's creek meets yeah scream. i mean he did tone down that really weird thing of 15 year olds talking like Oxford scholars <laughs> which always freaked me out in Dawson's <laughs> Creek I was like who are they more alien than the aliens in, in uh, the faculty um, also can we just say that song sounds very as Morton pointed out sounds very like the opening theme to Buffy the Vampire Slayer it sounds like it Nerf does. Herder they've definitely that chord progression is definitely similar I don't know it's taking me back to my head emo days <laughs> actually when we when I rewatched it uh, the faculty this week the reason I chose the soundtrack because I was like ah oh, any excuse to play The Offspring. Well, I'm really disappointed that you didn't pick the Mary Poppins Return soundtrack. <laughs> that'll be next week. That'll be, can be next I'm week. I'm not going to lie. I was having a little cry to that this afternoon. Oh, because... yeah. Matt's been swanning <laughs> off to friggin' the Albert Hall this week in his tux. Shh. <laughs> My borrowed tux. <laughs> That's an in-joke. Anyway, carry on. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did go to the Albert Hall last night for the premiere. And it was, I have to say, you know, there's a lot of expectation. And I know we do have a particular Disney file <clears throat> on the team. How far up the red carpet did you get before you were tackled by security? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, do you know what? Did uh, you take a picture of Kate they... uh, Blanchett again? She well, no, it away. Was I saw how close uh, you must have been for that Meryl photo. Yeah. And I was just like, she, her security's definitely well, got their eye on you. <laughs> oh, you've got they, a really good zoom. On if you, you if you listen to the if you listen to the video recording that I posted to our Instagram earlier, you can hear security going, "Move along now, move <laughs> along now." <laughs> Not just to me. There was obviously everybody was surrounded, like taking uh, footage. But um, you know, like the weight of expectation on a film like that particularly because you know it's we've d- we've discussed it a lot on this show rob marshall's output hasn't always been Mm-mm. exemplary so uh he's no. done he's done exemplary it. he's i liked into the, i liked into the woods i'm a defender i liked into the woods i'm a defender no, of it. one song they had one good song well okay that's just your opinion um <laughs> and then um so you know it was a lot for him to take on but you can tell how much love he's got for mary poppins because it is very faithful it feels like a sequel Okay. Well, I'm gonna. My plan is to rewatch Mary Poppins because I've been having uh, a bit of a hankering to watch it anyway because it's my go-to cheer me up, feeling good film. Because I've been having this cough for like seven weeks now. I know. I'm a bit worried about your emphysema. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, end of the year blues. So it's always nice to pick me up. Yeah. And can I just say, and I'm probably I'll do a more extensive review next week, but. Probably the the funniest, most the weirdest thing about Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins is that she does sound a little like Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, and it is Which slightly I'm distracting. Quite like that. But then she well she does she kind of storms through it like a sassy drag queen, <laughs> which I'm obviously, obviously here for. I was trepidatious, as we know, by the um, 
the trailer, but I do plan to see it next Friday. Mm. Uh, my first trip to the cinema in Norfolk when I get back. Oh, nice. That's a nice way to sort of start the Crimbo holidays. It's oh, going to yeah. be our family Christmas day out. Oh, do you on, Christmas on Christmas day? day? Not on Christmas day, no. But like, <laughs> Are you American? The day out that we have before Christmas. We'll oh, be that's nice. Okay, well, listen, can you not be grumpy about it, all right? Even if you don't like it, because it's Christmas. No <laughs> <laughs> I make absolutely zero promises. More. Mm. Okay, so we've got a lot to get through on the show. Uh, we're going to uh, do New at Genesis first up, and then, like we said, we've got our guest, Sophie Hamilton, coming on to talk about the faculty. We're also going to be reviewing, sorry to bother you, Mowgli and Dumplin, some new Netflix releases that Matt and I... Did you watch? Did anyone else watch Mowgli? No, not no. after your review. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be talking about that. We'll be uh, gushing over Dumpling at least, and then there's loads of awards nominations to get through uh, as the SAG Awards were announced and the Golden Globes last week. But we were off, so we weren't able to cover it. So we're going to cover it this week, uh, and then lots of tracks coming from the faculty as well. First up, talking about Aquaman, which is which was released yesterday. Actually, you can catch it at Genesis, our partner cinema, directed by James Wan, who did. The Saw films and The Conjuring and Fast and Furious 7, probably one of the best Fast and Furious. Um, this time he takes on the latest in the DC comic book universe uh, with Jason Momoa playing Aquaman, being caught between the surface and the uh, undersea world, um, kind of trying to keep the Atlantans at bay. I feel like this looks really good. I'm excited. Looks like it's treading water. Ooh, oh, God. Dear. Um, Nicole Kidman's in it. Yeah, Nicole Kidman's in it, adding gravitas, apparently, as Jason Momoa's mum. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, not the gravitas bit, just obviously Jason Momoa's mum. I think the thing about this is. Is she J- old enough to be Jason Momoa's mum? Uh, no, I don't think so. Quickly. It doesn't matter. Come well, on. no, because she's. I, th- I think. I'm, I don't know. She's an Atlantean know. queen. She's an Atlantean queen that washes up oh. on the beach in Massachusetts and meets a lighthouse keeper. Okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess I don't do, know, do up, Atlanteans not really age as well so she's 51 well, because they're mystical mythical creatures yeah I would they? imagine mm. maybe that she's like apparent she's probably meant to be like hundreds of years old but doesn't age he's 39 she's 51 so no no um, but I don't think she's in it as uh, as him as an adult yeah. I think she disappears or something um, so anyway so the I, I just like the fact that James Wan's directed this mm. I think he's a really solid director mm. I think he's got a lot of imagination I think he he's one of those few um commercial directors if you like sort of big blockbuster directors who actually makes most of his projects really interesting and distinctive I thought yeah. The Conjuring was fantastic I loved it, it I obviously of, didn't watch it just no obviously didn't watch it um, and even the Fast and Furious even the Fast and the Furious one that he did he made the it seven, more interesting yeah it was really good yeah. it actually was really good it made me it was then really disappointing that 8 was terrible 8 was so bad um, um, but also in its favour Jason Momoa is so charismatic and he of, aka Dreamy yeah, but not, but also, but also very charismatic. I have to say, just as a side note, I watched him host uh, SNL last week, and he was brilliant. He was his comedic timing was fantastic, and he was so charismatic. And I thought, oh yeah, that's kind of what you remember from the Justice League mm. film when he was introduced. No, him. I'm not talking about. Yeah, the film. no. I, I hope he has dialogue in this one, other than going, my man, <laughs> just constantly. Just it's just. No. Okay, Morton, I don't think the characters are stretched for Jason Momoa. I mean, we'll yeah. say that because I think it's very similar to who he is in real life without the C part. Um, <laughs> but the cast the cast is good. I mean, apparently Amber Heard is a bit one note in yeah. it. I've heard that from the reviews. Mm. But Willem Dafoe is in this, Patrick Wilson. I'd forgotten that Willem Dafoe was in it until I saw a TV spot the other day and it's like, oh, I'm back on board. Yeah. I am yeah. back on board. No, he's like, he's like the aquatic Mr. Miyagi. 
And to be fair, the DC solo outputs have been fairly... I mean, I really liked Wonder Woman. I know you guys perhaps weren't as up on it. I liked it a lot. But I really enjoyed it. And I think if they did that well, I feel like what they've done badly has been just having too many characters in the past. So hopefully Mm. just having like one person to focus on. And also a film about a character that we haven't seen before. Like we've yeah. not seen an Aquaman movie before. So it's not going to be like, oh, we've seen all this before. We know the story. We know that it's something that they can actually bring something new to. So I'm what I have, quietly optimistic. What I have heard in that respect, though, is uh, from people who've like been in the cinema watching it today, is that it is a little bit cookie cutter in terms of Wonder Woman. That it's just like, oh, it's another secret, like mythical, godlike uh, city. But apparently, the final action sequence is much more improved. To tell you, I don't want to be king. Once he is named Ocean Master, it'll be too late. The power at his disposal will be unlike anything you have ever seen. I'm from the surface. No one's going to take me seriously. Okay, I don't even know where to begin. By winning the hearts and minds of the people, by proving to them that you're worthy and retrieving this. I already got one of those. Not like this one, you don't. Now playing Hoxton movies with the Genesis Cinema, only on Hoxton Radio. (laughs) That was a clip from Aquaman. Uh, which was out yesterday. Both of my co-hosts are chewing sweets, so they're currently indisposed. It's Christmas. I thought you were going to play a song after that clip. No, we're going straight into Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, directed by Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. Uh, Rodney Rothman also co-wrote the script with Phil Lord of uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller fame from the Lego movie, and Rodney Rothman also wrote 22 Jump Street. So... Good comedic backgrounds here. A pretty strong cast. Uh, Nicolas Cage, Liev Stryber, Hayley Steinfeld, Jake Johnson, Lily Tomlin, Chris Pine, Mahershala Ali, Zoe Kravitz, John Mulaney. Mulaney? Yeah? That is it? Mulaney. Mulaney. Um, and this is kind of a different look at the whole Spider-Man universe, which is it's an animated feature, and it features lots of different Spider-Men coming from lots of different universes. So it's Miles Morales' Spider-Man, and then he meets Peter Parker and then there's like another Spider-Man then there's Gwen Stacy which also she also seems to be some sort of spider spider Gwen spider Gwen and then there's also from the looks of the trailer a spider porky pig spider pig who is Peter Porker <laughs> yeah spider pig no. spider pig no it's spider ham that's it <laughs> I was gonna it's, say spider pig's from the Simpsons no one seems Maybe. to know if it's before or after the Simpsons but yeah it looks like porky pig mm. as well it's porky pig it's porky pig's voice is it? I thought yeah. it was Nathan Lane isn't it? well it's, I think it's Nathan Lane doing porky oh, pig's right, voice okay. But yeah, no, it looks it looks absurd. And it looks got, absurd, but it's been getting really good reviews. I just meant the pig bit. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> the the film itself looks like good fun, and like we had previews of it last weekend. Mm. Everybody was coming out really, really happy. Ooh. I've been reading this week as well that apparently the thing that it does really well is kind of constantly reaffirm to you why you why you like Spider Man, why you like Spider Man, and why you should actually still go and watch the occasional Spider Man film rather than being like, oh, we've seen every single spider-man film 10 times by mm. now um uh, yeah i'm also i'm only going to mention my hair like several times on this show um, because i got a new haircut but so i um when we saw when i saw the trailer i think my hair is also kind of channeling gwen stacy in this trailer a little kind bit of, like shaved sides long on top i think 
think I've done well, basically following the trend <laughs> of uh, cartoon Spider Gwen. I thought, oh, cartoon Gwen. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking one, of Kirsten Dunst and Emma no, Stone, no, and look, I was like, you don't know. Look, here's me. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, get it. Yeah. yeah. And also, as I'll, I'll probably bring up again, Claire Duvall in the faculty, channeling my hair, or my hair's channeling her. <laughs> Made me feel better about my haircut, to be honest, guys, because no one noticed at work this week. Are well. you okay? <laughs> no, I just want someone to be like. Well, let's hope they're yeah. listening and could be nice and tense in the office tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll just all be like, "Have you meant to mention? Have you, have you, have you done something? Done something with your hair? It looks kind Is of. Is that the light guys? just hitting it differently? Uh, we've got a clip from Spider-Man into the Spider-Man. I think it's from the trailer, actually. My name is Miles Morales, and in my world, I'm the one and only Spider-Man. That is, until he showed up. And it's a no on the cape. I think it's cool. Spider-Man doesn't wear a cape. Uh, All right, you ready? Uh, out! Hey, guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another, another dimension. How many more Spider-People are there? Hey, fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. My name is Peter Porker. How am I supposed to save the whole world? You can't think about saving the world. You have to think about saving one person. Miles, where did you go? Can Spider-Man turn invisible? Not in my universe. Wow, this is incredible. Some kind of fight or flight thing. What's that? Hey, Peter. I think this is a cape. Now playing Hoxton Movies with the Genesis Cinema, only on Hoxton Radio. playing Hoxton movies on Hoxton Radio. That was Haunting Me by Stabbing Westwood. I think that's right. Westwood? West, yeah, Westwood. Hmm. From the faculty soundtrack, which we're playing in honour of our very special guest. I don't really remember any of these songs from the film. I know they're in it, but I just feel like there's a lot of background... No, I feel like there's a lot of background guitar, emo guitar in the faculty that kind of just, you know... Yeah, Simmers in the background. Yes. Anyway, correct. Um, and our guest is here in the studio, Sophie Hamilton, who is a film fan and wannabe playwright, uh, choosing the faculty as the film that changed her life. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, do you want to just uh, don't worry about spoilers? <laughs> so, if you haven't seen the film and you want to see it and you don't want it to be spoiled, then maybe like stop, go watch it, come back, listen to, then listen to this bit. Um, so, yeah, don't worry about spoilers. Uh, do you want to give like a brief rundown of kind of what the film is about? Yeah, in case you haven't seen it, um, The Faculty is a 1998 <laughs> film directed by Robert Rodriguez and it is about um, a high school in Ohio and six students have to stop aliens taking over their school and eventually the world and the, <laughs> the way they do this is by poisoning their teachers with drugs. Exactly. Um, That's a very good synopsis. <laughs> 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 really good summary. Um so why why did you want to choose this film? What why does it what does it mean to you? So I didn't see this film when it first came out because I was about ten, <gasps> uh, but I watched it in the early two thousands when I was sort of watching a lot of films and I would just go through filmographies, 
and watch them and I had never watched a Robert Rodriguez film but I did have a big crush on Elijah Wood so I was just he was Ooh, like the number interesting one interesting choice number one non-threatening boy and, uh, <laughs> still is isn't he especially <laughs> in this film yeah and uh, so I was just going through watching it and um, this film had an interesting cover and mm. it had a lot of sort of pretty young things in it so people like Cleo Duvall who I had already seen in But I'm a Cheerleader and Josh Hartnett and you know Usher <laughs> I thought I would just give it a bash and what I got I think was something not what I expected but something quite stupid and fun mm. and it really opened the door for me to watch more genre filmmaking so like horror and sci-fi mm. and this film has a lot of references to stuff like that and mm-hmm. so that just like led me to other things okay cool and do you want to set up the first clip we're going to play which is let me be a D yeah so this some of this film has a sort of breakfast club vibe yeah. <laughs> where um, everyone has a sort of a stereotype you've got your jock and your loner and your burnout and your new girl mm. and so th- in this clip we have um stan who is a jock and he's about to quit the football team and he says that people treat him differently and we've got stokely who's our sort of goth and eventually you know love will blossom between them and i thought this was a nice clip to illustrate that will the following students please report to the office jennifer Kulik, randy Knotson, and thomas nix you should just go talk to him no way. Oh. I'm sorry. So you are you uh, ready for the big game? Quit the team. Are you serious? Yeah. Why? Just tired of everyone kissing my ass because I'm captain of the football team. You know, the coach, the students, even the teachers. Last year after we won the 2A conference. That was thanks to you and your completed passes. You follow the games? I wouldn't have guessed that. I made a D on a biology test right after, and uh, Mr. Furlong changed it to an A. He said I deserved it for having such a strong arm. That really bugged me, you know? I worked hard for that D. That was my D. I deserved that D. I just wish people would let me be, you know? A D student. Yeah. So that was our first clip from the faculty. I mean, that was one, that was one thing I wrote down that I quite liked about it was that it kind of tried to turn some of the stereotypes on their heads. So you had that kind of... Well, maybe it's become a stereotype now, like the sensitive jock. But I feel like I hadn't... They maybe hadn't done that before, where they have like this jock character being like, actually, I want to focus on my studies and I want to do well in school and not just be given an A because I'm the captain of the team. And I like that her, Jordana Brewster, his girlfriend in it is like, well, I'm only going to date you if you're the captain because I'm the head cheerleader and that's what happens at the school. So it's like very much like we're in the cliques and this is what you do in your cliques. Very high school musical in that way. Breaking out of the cliques. Eye roll for me and <laughs> This is radio, so you can't see, but there was some severe eye rolling going on. I feel like you need to roll your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't compare this lovely genre film to your crap. <laughs> it's not crap. It is. So I'm made to watch it. How many times? So when? So when you first watched it, what was it specifically about this film? Do you think that you thought, oh, this is now what I'm into film or did it kind of change it that way yeah I think it was a bit like schlocky and um, it was fun and I think something I work on as a playwright is doing a lot of dialogue Mm -hmm. and this has a lot of like 
teen dialogue and um, maybe not exactly how teenagers spoke but in the world of the film they do it has a lot of really creative insults um there's a lot of bullying in this film like a lot it's very, quite cruel in places mm. but like that felt like real life mm. and um like it's got little moments where the characters it shows you and doesn't tell you mm. which is sometimes unusual for a film like this there's a great bit where elijah wood gets off the bus and immediately gets elbowed in the face by someone <laughs> and then he apologizes and you don't need to know anything else about him he is obviously a very sad guy mm. and the bit where um the new girl character in it she introduces herself oh, with yeah. her full name mm. every time and that just sort of tells you a lot about her without having to know anything mm. i forgot i mean when i first started watching it again this week the beginning is the opening is quite scary and i'm terrible with um <laughs> horror films as we all know um and i was like damn it is it i forgot how scary this was and then it, it kind of eases up a little bit and the because the cg's obviously aged you're like okay it's fine <laughs> But also, oh, wow. it's, I mean, the casting of the adult characters, um, obviously, are nods to previous ones. So you've got mm. Piper Laurie, who was the mom in Carrie, and Robert And in pa- Twin, Twin Peaks as well. And, and yeah. in Twin Peaks as well. And Patrick, Robert Patrick, who was T2 in Terminator 2, yeah. and he's the coach. Mm. Uh, Salma Hayek, obviously, I think had just done From Dust Till Dawn yeah. uh, with Rodriguez as well. And I only had like a little cameo yeah. in that and this. Mm. But I really love like Bibi Newith, who. Um, you know, people oh, will probably yeah. know best as, as Lilith, Fraser's wife of Fraser and Cheers, <laughs> playing the principal. Like, she's a really renowned Tony winning <laughs> actress, not normally found in this kind of schlock. And I think it was so, for me, because I knew who she was when I first saw the film, I was like, huh. So, so she's been drawn to this material. But it was very much a part of its time you know Mm. Dimension Films had just started really and they were producing a lot of this kind of teen angsty horror and this is probably one of my favourites of that batch because A it was witty Mm. um, and it it wasn't that obvious in terms of where the characters went and you know for example like Stokely and Delilah like hate each other and there's never really a moment where they go yeah we're cool (laughs) you know like they they kind of you know and normally in these sort of films are like oh they'll be battling something and they'll come together and they don't really take those obvious routes so I quite like that Um, the effects haven't held up particularly well Um, but no I really enjoyed it I really liked it Good. I thought it drew a lot from Buffy, the vampire slayer. Yeah, it did, it did really feel like Buffy, and that was the time where I was deep into Buffy yeah. as well. So, Well, interesting as well, Kevin Williamson, who wrote it, was obviously <laughs> doing Dawson's Creek on the D- WB with Buffy mm. as well. So there was all with that Buffy. kind of... Oh, on the same Buffy station. was on the same station, yeah. 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 Um, but I, it's it's the it's more tolerant in times, uh, for me, like more tolerable uh, in terms of the dialogue. Because, you know, well, Dawson's... Buffy? No, oh, Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. Okay. Because Dawson's Creek was so angsty and you know you know you mentioned at the the top there about how kids don't really talk like that Mm. um i always find the way american kids interact very odd anyway but this but dawson's creek in particular because they were like scholars Mm. you know and hadn't graduated high school and i found that weird whereas this is a little punkier and they feel a little raw and it feels they feel a little bit like like how kids would actually speak yeah and their high school is a bit grubbier than you might yeah first imagine not sure i really get that it's set in ohio though it could be set anywhere there's not really a distinct yeah, as far as the fact it's a football town I suppose. yeah I guess the only thing there is they say like if you're going to take over the world where are you going to do it at the, go in the door front door of the White House <laughs> or sneak in the back door and I guess that's what they yeah Ohio. so it's a sort of midwest town that's like nondescript Middle America yeah what did you who would you say out of the ensemble mm-hmm. who was your favourite performance what was the one that really got you I think probably no it's definitely Clea Duval <coughs> I feel like her character has got a lot going on um, obviously she's set up as this like gothy loner type of person but the the new girl Mary Beth like she wants mm-hmm. to befriend her and Jordana Brewster's character really hates her and I think it's because 
she is doing what she wants but also like she knows she has a crush on her boyfriend yeah i it's so yeah because i kind of i didn't like the fact they kind of set her up as this like lesbian character yeah. and then like completely take that away yeah, and that, just make her of its time isn't it yeah make her straight and you're like well she could have just been gay like why didn't she why couldn't she have just done that and the fact that she was like i just use it to hide i was i didn't really like that dynamic of it well, then you should definitely watch but i'm a cheerleader i love it yeah i've seen that it's so good i love that film it's amazing and i love clear devolve i've listened to like a few interviews with her on like different podcasts and she's really awesome um yeah but but i'm a cheerleader it's so good i love that film i thought it was interesting well with the characters in this film none of them have independent friends they all seem mm. to have no friends yeah. and because you know like when they all get together like none of them get on none of them like each mm. other like there's not two characters are there really that are friends i mean maybe stokely and uh, elijah wood's character are kind of on all right terms but everybody else doesn't get on and yet none of their other friends are involved in it at all so we're made to be the all loners which maybe does handicap it slightly in terms of you know making it a little bit believable but it took me about half the film, I think, to realise that Elijah Wood was supposed to be the same age as them as well oh. throughout that. Because literally the entire first half of the film was all of us just being like, oh, little baby Elijah, in like a kind of really like pet voice. And it was just like, so sweet. Look he at is, his little chubby cheeks. He is so just, sweet, though. Yeah, he does, yeah. he does look really young in this. Well, he was really young. Mm. I know, but com- even compared to the others. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I watched this first time around because I was... I had a big crush on Josh Hartnett, so I was working my way through like all of Josh Hartnett's films. He's almost, I have to say, he was quite unbearable yeah, in some things. <laughs> just, he just, I think it was his first or second film or something, wasn't it? And he just can't act. He can't act at this stage. Like he can now, like I loved mm. Penny Dreadful and all the stuff he's done afterwards. But this, it's just like, yeah, you're pretty and you're a bit like rough around really? the edges. That yeah. haircut? Oh yeah, yeah no, yeah. He was really he, pretty. I, de- I defo had a crush on the Hartnett back then, yeah. He's a bit, yeah. He's a very pretty, pretty boy. Yeah, pretty boy. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Going on. Um, so in terms of how it's changed your life, you Scott said mentioned it made you like look for other films. Is there other stuff you've discovered because of this? Yeah. Is so that- this is like I um I remember reading about it and it had all these things about Terminator. I was like, well, watch Terminator. And Terminator <laughs> One is one of my favorite films. Mm. I prefer it to Terminator Two actually. Um, and this has a lot of that. Mm. Um, the coach, he's you know he's from Terminator 2 he's just doing a really good Terminator 2 <laughs> and um, it's got a really good Shining reference there's a bit where um, one of the older teachers gets infected and she comes into the bathroom where Stan is showering and she just has no clothes oh, on yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and someone told me and I was like oh maybe I'll check out this, this Shining film oh, that's um, a, yeah. and then obviously I watched all the Robert Rodriguez films and then I watched Tarantino films and Sin City things that maybe I'm not so keen on now as an adult but at the time it was just showing me what cinema could do mm. This does straddle a very weird line in his career, actually. It kind of feels somewhere between like the kind of uh, Mexican trilogy and Spy Kids. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's neither one nor the other. <laughs> a little bit of all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's definitely one of the better films that he came out. Because d- d- From Dusk Till Dawn, I enjoy. Mm. doesn't stand up at all, really. Um, but this seems a little bit more fully formed mm. as a concept and, and as an, ex- an, an execute as well, I thought. And it actually, just because we mentioned the Buffy references, uh, apparently Charisma Carpenter turned down a role in it, and uh, so did Sarah Michelle Gellar, both in Buffy. Hmm. You can see Sarah Michelle Gellar in maybe the Jordana Brewster one. Yeah, yeah. And that was this was Jordana Brewster's first film as well, and it was uh, Josh Hartnett's second, as you said. Mm. So yeah, there's quite a lot of like film first in there. But I think, like you said, it makes a lot of references, and I was trying to work out whether it was referencing stuff 
that was then actually came after it and it feels like he's referencing it but actually it couldn't be because it was before or whether it is referencing like a whole bunch of stuff that came before but it's it's not too overt in it i think it's quite subtle and i did quite enjoy it but it did really remind me of the buffy episode where they're in where the swim team get taken over it reminded me a bit of it follows that swimming yeah 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 definitely does anyone know <laughs> the the scene where they all escape the school and they go back to uh, Zeke's house and they all try the drugs Zeke. now if that's actually caffeine pills I've never seen anybody he go like mo- he says mostly caffeine pills oh and, and household other... products yeah yeah because it's definitely more of that I think because it does I mean the, the message is basically drugs are good <laughs> because they save the day um it's kind of quite controversial, really. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... And he's... You get the impression that he's been, like, held back a year or two. He's meant to be, like, older yeah. than them or something. And then he's, like, the drug dealer of the school slash the porn distributor of the school. <laughs> and he is, like, the one that actually, like, saves the town. And he's, like, secretly really smart, but, like, seems to be deliberately doing badly. Because he's making more money through There's his criminal There's a lot of, like, angsty, like, undertones to Josh Hartnett's character that we don't get to really know. Yeah, but you don't really Mist- in these sort that of films. Mystery. You don't need it. No, I don't think you need it. I think no, it just needs just that mystery, that intrigue. Yeah, I think it just needs to zip along, and they need to be charismatic, and the you know it needs to be tense and frightening and all of that jazz. I mean, when you watched it, when you know for the first time, did you have those feelings? Did it scare you? Um, I think the bit at the beginning maybe scared me uh, because mm. you know he stabs that pencil in her hand. It's pretty unexpected. That's horrible. And then the other teacher, Piper Laurie, it also attacks her, and that's unexpected. Maybe yeah. not so much the other bits. Yeah, because it's people. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It looks like, you know, you when don't know. When it's aliens, it's not scary. Yeah, when you're it, like, it's it a squid people. gone bad, isn't it, or something. So, like, it's not as as he says. But John Stewart's in it as well. John yeah. Stewart is in this as the teacher, science teacher. I mean, they've got a gallery. There's pretty much everybody famous. Like, um, mm. what's his chops from Grease 2? Is Elijah Wood's dad. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah, as well. I was like, where do I know him from? Oh, yeah, Grease 2. And the history <laughs> teacher's from uh, Robocop. Three, I think. Oh, wow. oh yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the bit you talked about with the uh, old lady when she's in the shower, yeah. um, that's pretty gross, that bit where he like pats yeah. her head. I was like, oh. I was eating my pasta and that bit, and I was like, oh, I forgot that bit. That's not pleasant. Because it's quite, it's quite gory for 15 yeah, at the time, quite, isn't it? It's quite extreme. Mm. Bloody and gruesome. Yeah. But then he would go on to make sort of um, go roundhouse. Yeah. Mm. And that's a bit like that. Yeah. I just found, I think... I found the end it was a bit too like neat in the end I felt like that was the only thing that I had a, yeah maybe I mean every, everyone's coupled off aren't they yeah everyone's coupled off and, and then, then there's the implication that Josh Hart is going to go out with the teacher which yeah what was especially that especially now it's horrible yeah I was like that's yeah. so weird I don't care how many years he's been held back <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was bizarre I didn't really get that either I will fail you until I can date you acceptably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we all held you back. I've held you back for fifteen years, <laughs> and now we're a decent age that we can both date. I just love that. I mean, because Famke Janssen, I love her as an actress, but she's so unconvincing as the mousy teacher where she like pushes mm. her the thing behind her she's like, "That's so rude," and you're like, "You still look <laughs> like that." Girl like, from Bond. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, the, but I think that's quite funny though. There's a sort of slightly kind of weird black humour running through it as well. Moments like that that work for me. Okay, um, Sophie, do you want to set up the final clip for us? Um, and thank you very much for your insight into film. It's been really interesting. But yeah, set up this, the last clip for us. This is kind of like again how they sort of solve the mystery. Yeah, so this it? is how they 
they solve what's going on and it's um, Stokely and Casey, so Cleo Deville and Elijah Wood sort of discussing in the library um, about what's going on and what might have happened and they're referencing a lot of sci-fi literature which is quite nice and you won't be able to see this but in the background a librarian holds up a sign that says silence halfway through <laughs> yeah it's quite i guess this kind of brings in the kind of meta references is in that they kind of know that they're referencing stuff in i think they're doing all the references in quite a knowing way rather than deliberately just ripping something off for the sake of ripping it off because this bit is like we know that we're talking about like invasion of the body snatchers and all these kind of things so yeah it's a nice it's a nice like and i like the fact that they kind of solve the mystery of what's happening by like referencing other science fiction it's good i think something's taking over our school the body snatchers is a story somebody made up dingus it's located in the fiction section of the line yeah so is schindler's list look all fiction is based on some truth right what does miss burke teach us in english 101 write what you know how do we know this writer guy Jack didn't encounter aliens in his high school, which led him to write a book about an alien invasion? Your conspiracy theory is flawed. How so? Well, Jack Finney's The Body Snatchers is a blatant ripoff of The Puppet Masters by Robert Heinlein, so you can completely disregard that entire work. Whatever. The point is, they're here, they've been here, and they're here again. You know, Casey, I think you've interacted with the flagpole on too many times. Look, how do you know there's not a conspiracy? Look, maybe The X-Files is right. Where do all these movies come from anyway? How do we know Spielberg, Lucas, Sonnenfeld, Emmerich haven't been visited by aliens? You know, maybe they're aliens themselves. Maybe they're simply preparing us for what's to come. You know what, Casey? It's fiction, okay? It's science fiction. Exactly. Everybody gets hung up on the science part, which has nothing to do with it. They're getting at us to the fiction. So aliens have just been setting us up over the years creating this happy little make-believe existence with their their et and our men in black movies just so that nobody would believe it if it really happened i think so yeah well you're not buying this are you no i'm not but it's kind of cool okay so what's missing well the body snatchers they were pods but where are they and where are the pods there are no pods. There's gotta be something else. And puppet masters, they are parasites. Now playing Hoxton Movies on Hoxton Radio. It was garbage with medication from our. <laughs> Bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that bad? <laughs> from our soundtrack of the week, which has come from this faculty, and our special guest Sophie Hamilton was just on talking about it. How it was the film that changed her life in the way that it opened her up to other films and genres, which I liked as a as a reason for a film to change your life. Solid, solid reason. So now it's the time where we throw it over to Morton, who's going to tell us everything that's happening at our partner cinema genesis this week indeed i am at 8 40 tonight we have got a special screening of nay passaran which is presented by the people's film club 
this is a documentary directed by uh, Philippe Bustos Sierra, uh, and it is based on the true story of the uh, the Scottish manufacturers who managed to ground half of uh, Chile's air force during uh, during the reign of Pinochet. Uh, and is set to be very, very interesting. Lots of tickets sold for that, but it is in screen one, so still a fair few available. But uh, yeah, already well over half sold, which for screen one is pretty incredible, so definitely worth checking that out tonight. Then on Saturday, we've got the uh, final... Excuse me. We've got the final edition of the year of Right Along Movies. Uh, and it's going to be a Christmas film, but don't worry, it's not going to be the man who invented Christmas, <laughs> as it was last year. Uh, that will be at 12 o'clock on Saturday, uh, and if I manage to restrain myself tomorrow, uh, there will still be some mince pies left over from It's a Wonderful Life for you Aww. as well. Um, I love that movie. Can't wait to watch it. Sorry, Carol. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're a week old, but they're three, so don't complain. Uh, so... <laughs> Mince pies and a chance to do some writing uh, on Saturday. They haven't been left out for a week, have they? No, they're sealed. Okay, they're sealed. We were allowed to eat the open ones. I ate one whole because I thought they were going to be like... I was just like, we can have these, right? And I just, like, I'd kind of picked it up and I could see the manager about to be saying no, so I just put it in whole. Oh my God, you're like a naughty child. <laughs> just like, I'm going to eat this quickly before they can say no, before they can grab it out of my hand. Yep, pretty much. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Then on Sunday at 6.30, it is the return of us. Uh, we are presenting the Hoxton Movies Quiz. Oh, I was like, <laughs> of us? The return of us. He's, he's it's an amazing film. Us. It's the documentary uh, of Nikki, Matt and my life this year. Uh, <laughs> Go on, I don't think anyone wants to watch that. <laughs> uh, no, it's the... A whirlwind je- tale. Hoxton Movies goes to the cinema. Pretty much, it is the uh, it's the Hoxton movies quiz. film quiz, uh, and that is at six thirty, and it is a Christmas themed one. Uh, so we've got lots of special Christmas rounds for you. We could make a short film about Morton. <laughs> Morton's shortens. Indeed. What happened to that? It, it happened <laughs> once and then never again because, yeah, because Morton, got to keep these things up. <laughs> Give the people what they want. I'm considering bringing back juxtaprojection. Yes, I really liked that. I, I had a very accidental juxtaprojection a few weeks back. That sounds really medical. <laughs> what, <laughs> I had an accidental what, juxtaprojection. What was your juxtaprojection? Um, well done for getting that out clean, though. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. Uh, so it was, it was the Sunday that we were decorating our flat for Christmas. We didn't want to watch like too Christmassy a film because it still felt a little bit early. So we watched Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And then the next night as a flat, we watched a horror film called As Above, So Below, which is about a group of American students who go into the catacombs underneath Paris to try and find the Philosopher's Stone, which was really, really weird. So weird. Yeah. Very bizarre. Um, but a great juxtaprojection. Yeah. One which you could repeat at Solid, Genesis. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, the quiz at 6.30 on Sunday... Uh, come and say hello our theme is christmas Christmas. slash end of the year so study up there'll be a news round about 2018 film or what's been happening in film in 2018 matt's done a great round about christmas movies yeah it is very good um (laughs) (laughs) 
That's Morn hasn't done around yet. All right, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I've got a special Christmas direct around that I'm going to do for you. What? Oh, yes, you are. Chris Columbus. Or was that meant to be a secret? Yeah, no, never mind. Oh, sorry. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Spoiler it's fine. alert. I'll do it on someone else now. Do you have um, an overheard at Genesis? Have you finished? I, I've not finished, oh, you've no. not finished. Um, <laughs> sorry, So on. then on Tuesday at ten past nine, we've got a special preview of a film called 1985. Uh, it's directed by Yen Tan, and it stars Corey Michael Smith, who you may recognise uh, from Gotham. Uh, the like TV Batman mm-hmm. prequel, uh, and it is set in the uh, in 1985. It's shot on black and white super 16 millimeter film, and it takes a unique <coughs> look at a pivotal moment in American history through the prism of empathy, love, and family. So it's about a young man who returns from college. Uh, uh, no, returns home after being away working for three years. Uh, and he's still closeted and it's about like kind of that time in his family life and it's supposed to be absolutely amazing what's it called again 1985 and when's it on uh tuesday at 10 past nine then also next week uh as part of our festive programming (gasps) we have got that that was a joke it's it's been a running joke at genesis it's not part of our festive programming oh uh, oh. We've got a 35 millimeter screening of Antichrist presented by the Cult Classic Collective. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Uh, so come and have a watch of that if you like. If you really hate Christmas. <laughs> and then also and people and life and things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't enjoy that. And if you really want to end your year on a huge low. Well, it's because we've not got the house that Jack built, so uh, there was kind of like a protest that we had to show. That's open this week, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To very, very mixed reviews. But like, what a surprise. Marmite ones. Uh, but yeah. Antichrist. He's not a misogynist, he's an artist. <laughs> Whatever. He's a misogynist. <laughs> Misogyn artist. Uh, yeah, that's 6.35 next Needs Thursday. Needs work, yep. As part of our actual Christmas programming, Presented by Truman's, we have got a special screening of Die Hard at 9 o'clock next Thursday, uh, and you get a free pint of Truman's with uh, with your ticket. Awesome. That's um, very exciting. Which is basically means you get... Yeah, it's £5.50, you get a film and a pint for the price of a pint. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think yeah. pretty pretty decent. And Die Hard is possibly one of my faves. Always like to go to the cinema to watch it every year. It's a bit of a tradition. Breaking the tradition slightly because I usually go to the Prince Charles, but as Genesis was showing it, I thought. It's closer as well, isn't it? Closer. <laughs> closer. <laughs> More to, to home, the point. Closer. And you get a free pint. Yeah. Mm. Not like Prince Charles. And they've refurbed. I don't like their refurbishment. I've not been since I've not been. It's very, very like square. Right angled seats. Nikki, we're on radio. People can't see what you're doing. I said square, That's why right she said square, right, right, right angle seats. Wow. Not yeah. like the Genesis refurb, which actually is very comfortable. Mm. Big it up with the Genesis refurb. <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I vaguely haven't overheard. Go on. It was more just like something that. Did the man much... come back to tell you a plague on both your houses again? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> oh, I do actually have a proper overheard and the one that I was going to say just then. Okay. Uh, so the one that I was just going to say then is literally everybody last Tuesday just being like, I did what last night? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which the was Genesis the Christmas party. day after the Christmas party. Um, the it Christmas must have been party. Loads of, can you g- not give us any gossip from the Genesis Christmas party? I left quite early. Oh. So it was off-site. Morton, you had it, one job. Spy on was, the rest of the Genesis staff and report back. It was off-site. 
um, at oh, was it at some at fancy, fancy pants? Fancy pants hotel Ooh. slash private members club. Uh, and I was under the impression that it was finishing at two. And when Genesis has its party offsite, it normally finishes at, at the time it says it's going to finish. So I left at about half one, I think. Oh, that's not that early. Um, oh. Wait for it. Okay, go on. <laughs> Apparently, when the when the club closed and this private members uh, members bar, Tyrone was just like, "We're not finished yet." <laughs> um, the cleaners got in at six o'clock to find everyone still there. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You guys know how to party. The opening manager went to sleep on a sofa at 6.20 in the morning and was woken up by the first person on shift at 8 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there must have been some grim people there were, in there. There were day. some amusing stories. One um, is that somebody discovered yesterday that they apparently lectured um, they apparently lectured Tyrone on London living wage very drunkenly at about Ooh. five o'clock in the morning. And we're no longer an employee <laughs> the next day. Uh, then the actual... Their Christmas like, present this year is their P45. Mm. The actual overheard that I have is... Um, I was It was overheard by everyone in the screen that I was working on on Tuesday night. I was on Studio 5. And uh, a gentleman walked in about ten minutes before the start of the film and turned to me on the bar and shouted, Has it started yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's still in its adverts. And he's like, oh, good. I've got time for a piss. <laughs> just like, yep, probably. Quite a few people had turned around at that point. Then, if you've been to Genesis recently, you will know that we have a new advert that has got lots of staff members in advertising. I enjoyed it. All of the immensely. snacks that you can buy. He decided to go and sit down before he went to the toilet. This advert came on, and he was a slightly larger gentleman. <laughs> and this advert played, and he literally stood up and ran out of the screen. <laughs> And realised about halfway through running what it must have looked like. So he turned to the screen and it, it turned to everybody in the screen and was like, when you've got to go, you've got to go. Because <laughs> it did look like he'd just gone like, oh God, I've, I've not got any food. <laughs> I need to run. <laughs> he then came back in oh like God, about five hard. minutes before the film no started. Shame. At which point the Rocket Man trailer was playing in advance of Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. So it's Alton John singing over the speakers and he walks in and he goes, has it started yet? <laughs> no, you clearly know it's not started yet. Or if you don't, you're in the wrong film. Yeah. Oh dear. So, um, yeah, an eventful week. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Hoxton movies on Hoxton Radio. A little bit of Cheryl Crow there with resuscitation. Another reason to play the faculty soundtrack this week. I love Cheryl. Um, so we're into our reviews section. For uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Netflix releases, Dumplin and Mowgli a little bit later on. But first up is Sorry to Bother You, which was released last Friday. It's the feature debut. Uh, from writer-director Boots Riley, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler. Danny Glover and Army Hammer. I managed to catch this at the London Film Festival. It was a late edition. It was also, I think when it got added, it hadn't got a release in the UK. Yeah, no, it so. still hadn't got a UK release date at that point, or it's, a distributor even. It's very exciting that it did get, I'm really glad that it did get a release, because it's 
really great. Um, so it's set in an alternate. Uh, it's kind of set in an alternative Oakland. So it's kind of. It's not exactly in the future because it also feels a little bit. It's a it's a bizarre one because it's kind of like futuristic in some senses and like obviously um kind of out there in its terms of its themes and like where it goes with the film. Um, but also the the main character Cassius Green is working in like telemarketing and obviously that's does still exist but it still feels quite like 80s in that vibe of like yeah. the telemarketing like you're in the, the those like um lines and rows of desks where all calling each other like has that kind of 80s 90s like office worker vibe feeling going on so it's kind of a bizarre like time setting which obviously just adds to the the nature of the film it's um so he gets a, t- a telemarketing job which is obviously based on commission he kind of finds a bit of a struggle and uh danny glover gives him a tip to use like a white person voice in order to get better sales and so they they have this like very clever which i'm this is the clip i'm going to play um it's a very like kind of clever joke about getting people to like you over the phone um by using a white voice and then they overdub this kind of very oversaturated kind Mm. of happy american white person voice i'm doing air quotes every time i say white person voice because it's an odd thing they use um and he and then he becomes more and more successful and starts sort of climbing the ladder and his girlfriend played by tessa thompson is this kind of radical artist who's like known for her art of like sign twirling which is apparently a, an art form as well as um just sign twirling but she's uh, also part it's of a this skill i wouldn't yeah. say it's an art form she's also part of this kind of renegade uh protest group um and then the, you've also got in the background you've got this tv show which is called um uh, like let's kick the shit out of someone or something like that and it's like the biggest most popular tv show um <laughs> and it's just like this really clever satire about like the world that we live in a kind of capitalism corporations how, how far will you go to kind of get what you want so he, he obviously starts changing as he starts to make more money and he's kind of trying to get to the position of power caller so they're all kind of sold this idea that they're on the top floor um if you get to the top floor you get to be a power caller and you get like to be in this different list lift and like all these things are like much are quite like lucrative and you really want these things and he and she's struggling with him becoming different and like where's his conscious going where are his morals mm. um and then as he gets there you meet army hammer's character who's this kind of messiah like figure who is like touting all the drugs and is in control of everything um and then you kind of discover like dark secrets about what he's really doing and then you've also got this other thing that's happening which is modern day slavery so the thing that um tessa thompson's kind of protesting about is the government has set up this scheme where you kind of buy in and they'll take care of everything so they'll give you health care and they'll give you free food and they'll give you somewhere to sleep and all you have to do is just agree to work for them and it's kind of uh sold to you as this like uh, idyllic lifestyle mm. but actually it's a lot more sinister than it seems and like the people are in like really bad conditions and so she's trying to kind of uncover that and you've got um, Cassius's uncle who's also his landlord sort of thinking like maybe I'll go into this and you've all the same time you've all got these like mad pal- uh, colour palette schemes and I just thought it was really clever and it's really funny um Lakeith Stanfield's great in it. Uh, Tess Thompson's brilliant. Like, it yeah, does that... kind of really go quite madcap by the end and like very bizarre. But you kind of really, I went along with it and kind of really went went with it. 
that's saying every person that like I've kind of spoken to that has seen it, it gets to a point in the conversation where I just kind of put my fingers in my ears and like run away because they're just like, oh, and it goes to like really unexpected places. And I was yeah. like, fine, then let it go to unexpected places yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. Like I've not seen it. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I know. Like, yeah, I wasn't expecting. No, 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 no. But I, I'm really pleased uh, for Lucky uh, Stanfield as mm. well because like he's great in Atlanta. Oh, he's so good in that show. Yeah. I love that. Oh, love him in it. He was really good in Get Out. So like, yeah, I'm really pleased that he's got a starring role and. Again, just the continuation of Tessa Thompson as well. It's great. So Nailing it. Mm. Also, well, because she's got Men in Black, hasn't she coming up with Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. Oh my God, did you see the image of that? I know, her and her tux. And the, oh the, my God. Uh, yeah, and the, all the on-set photos of it makes it look mm. like it's a complete reboot. Like, really well, yeah, no, it is by the sounds of it as well. Camille uh, Nanjiani in it as well. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So this is great. It's called Sorry to Bother You. Um, it's Yeah, it's really work, like kind of satirizing like everything about like modern society which is it's just really clever and I really enjoyed it and it's very funny so I'd go see it it might be in my top of the year actually hey young blood let me give you a tip use your white voice man I ain't got no white voice oh come on you know what I mean you have a white voice in there you can use it it's like when you pulled over by the police oh no I just use my regular voice when that happens I just say back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody get hurt man I'm just trying to give you some game you want to make some money here then read the script with a white voice people say I talk with a white voice anyway so why ain't it helping me out well you don't talk white enough I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife I'm talking about the real deal like this young blood hey Mr. Kramer this is Langston from Regal View I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? Thumbs up or thumbs down. The latest movie reviews with Hoxton Movies. That was a clip from Sorry to Bother You, which you can catch at Genesis from now. Uh, Next up, talking about Mowgli, which is the latest release uh, on Netflix. It did get, I think, a very small cinematic release. Yeah, a limited release for about a week at Mm. some Curzons. So it's the second film from Andy Serkis, which he wanted to be his first, but then it didn't get released because it kind of came out well, it was going to come out around the same time that uh, John Favreau's The Jungle Book came out, and obviously this is a similar story, so it got held back, and then and he made I, Breathe. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I accosted him at the Empire Awards about three years ago. Of course you did. Well, after a bottle of whiskey, Matt and I was Lund. like, Gollum, come here. Um, no, I, went, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Many, I didn't. How, how I didn't. many restraining orders do you have in Hollywood? A few. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I actually, he was so, so lovely, so gracious, and he was talking to me about it. I said, oh, what have you got coming up next? And he said, oh, I've just finished The Jungle Book, and this was three years ago, like, mm. if not longer. And uh, I was like, oh, that's so exciting. He was telling me about the cast and all that jazz. Um it was just a bad idea to have two similar projects, wasn't it? I didn't feel like it was going to get off the uh, starting block. So this one, it tries to be darker. I think that was his aim, is to try and be a little bit darker. I think perhaps he's bringing in a few more of Rudyard Kipling's books. That's why it's not called The Jungle Book. It's called uh, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, or something like that. I think it's. Yeah. I think it was called Jungle Book <laughs> before. Favre's. Was it? Oh, was it? I, I think, think so. I think it was. Yeah, I'd, I'd always read that it was going to be called Jungle Book. Jungle Book Origins. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Right, there we go. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. It got changed um, to Mowgli: Legends of the Jungle. Um, it's just so the so it's obviously about the story of a young human child being raised by a pack of wolves in uh, the jungles in India after his parents are killed by um, Shere Khan, the tiger. Um, and he kind of has to learn the rules of the jungle under the tutelage of Baloo, who is voiced by Andy Serkis, 
sounding like Ray Winston. Yeah. It's really, From the really <laughs> off-putting. And I did not like what they did with that character at all. They've made him kind of grizzly and like... He's got like chunks of fur missing, and you're like, "What? What's happened to like friendly, lovable, cuddly Baloo? Like, what's mm. going on here?" Yeah, no, I read an interview. Where <laughs> A single he was tear like... just rolled down Nikki's <laughs> face, by the way, when she was describing that childhood ruined. <laughs> I read an interview that Andy Circus was saying, like, "I wanted to turn Baloo into a drill sergeant," and it was just like, "Okay, cool." There's no King Louis in this film as well. Um, oh. I am out. I am yeah, not watching I, I knew it. Morton would be Filth. out off, off that. Um, they've, they've taken rid- he's getting, getting rid of the songs, which I don't really mind that he's gotten rid of the songs. Well, the because is- the songs are Disney. Mm. Like, yeah, this yeah. isn't Disney. So yeah. this is obviously always going to be overshadowed by The Jungle Book, which I actually thought was incredible. And I mm. remember watching it at the cinema thinking, like, this is, like, the magic of cinema, like, captured like, once again. Like, I thought John Favreau did an amazing job on that. The... The animation was absolutely stunning. Like the effects, the visual effects were brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The visual effects of this are shoddy, and which is really disappointing considering you've got Andy Serkis, who is the master of motion capture. Like he must know yeah. a good team of people. I don't understand. And my only thought is he's spent all the budget on the cast because you've got Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, who I feel like is completely wasted, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, you, uh, who else is in it? It's like, like literally. Peter Mullen, uh, Naomi Harris, Freya Pinto, Freya Pinto, Frida Pinto rather, Frida Pinto, yeah, um, Jack Rayner, Thing Majig is in a human Tom role Hollander, as well, yeah, and it's M- just like what? So you spent all be... the money on this, probably. Like Benedict Cumberbatch must have cost him a bomb. Isn't he also involved in one of the CGI? Co- didn't wasn't he like working very closely with Weta on the development of it anyway? Since yeah, 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 and he's got his own uh, the Imaginarium as well. Uh, yeah, my, that's what I'm, my yeah. guess with it would be is not that like he kind of blew the budget on the cast. It was probably more a case of that when the Disney one came out, like this kind of film, it's so much in post maybe the budget just kind of got a little bit shrunk when they were just like uh, well, we're not sure game. if I it's mean, going to perform now that that's come out so like let's maybe not spend loads of money on it and wasn't it sold by whatever company produced it yeah to Netflix? it was sold to Netflix because they were still hoping earlier this year to have a cinematic release yeah. for it as well like a full cinematic release what I think the, the good thing that I hope will come out of it and I'm fairly sure I saw it announced a while back is that he's now kind of like partnered with Netflix properly mm. and is getting Animal Farm made which is okay. like the project that, that he's amazing. always wanted to do yeah and I think if it's from the beginning and it's yeah, a yeah, partnership yeah. that he knows where it's going to be where yeah. it's going to be showcased then which it might would be, be better performance capture again yeah, yeah, as well yeah. so yeah I. it's just disappointing because the there was so much I feel like they could have maybe done something a little bit different with this film and it just felt like more of the same I wasn't sure some of like the politics of it was a little bit yeah um, well I mean the politics of the story <laughs> for stop is well, yeah I mean it's written great. by Rudyard Kipling yeah. so I mean what can we expect but yeah I just I think it's just if you've you've seen the jungle book you kind of seen this story and done much better like much more interesting and but if this had come out before the disney one and I it think kind I've, of put pressure on the disney one maybe it would have been a case of like i still yeah i don't know i still didn't find it captivating mm. really in any way um and yeah I, f- I found a lot of the performance i mean like i say the performances that obviously it's mostly voice but just a bit well, no, you can definitely see uh, his face mm. in Baloo. So yeah, it was... I just didn't like that. Personally, mm. it just wasn't something that fitted for me. I think that character shouldn't be... Grizz- like, he's not a grizzly 
old miser. Can I tell a very quick <laughs> Jungle, Jungle Book, Book story yes, that I can. always need to tell whenever I... Is it when, you as a child? No, 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 no. This dressed is, as Mowgli. This is... A, <laughs> wow, no. Um, Singing... No. This is I'm thinking of the swingers. When when the Disney <laughs> when the Disney remake came out a couple of years ago. Um if you've been to Jonas uh, Genesis <laughs> it's what he wants to call it when he takes over. If you've been to Genesis and you've been served by John at any point, who also works on coffee and has worked there for a while, uh then think of this next time he serves you. I was talking to him just after the Disney version came out and he was like, Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I just thought it was a really weird miscasting of Shere Khan and I was like oh now come on I thought like Idris Elba was really good and he was like oh yeah no he was really good but like it was just it was, it was just miscast like it should have been a woman and I was like okay well, why? why and he was like well it was a, it was a tiger what? I was like yeah and he was like well like they're, they're, they're all women they're female lions and I was like no, no, they're not. They're, they're that, that's species. that's a completely different species. Like, here is a female lion, <laughs> and just held up a picture on my phone. And I was like, "There's no mane. Oh. There's also no stripes. <laughs> they are completely different." Wow, wow, <laughs> poor John. I hope John. he's not listening, Morton. No, he's working now. It's fine. <laughs> Do you know what? Imagine one day they just broadcast this live yeah, into the Genesis yeah. lobby and he's there, he's there and everyone's like, mate. <laughs> mate. It mate. was lovely you working with you all. <laughs> Have you been to a zoo? <laughs> Have you read a book? <laughs> Have you not even seen The Lion King? <clears throat> Hello. Exactly. He was like, it's The Lion King, not The Lion Queen. <laughs> Then oh. it would be called the Tiger. Oh my God, he he had totally convinced himself, didn't he? Like he was totally on board. Okay, so this is a clip from Mowgli. This is the jungle. In the jungle, we all hunt, and we are all hunted. You see what that means? It means that you, you don't want to get caught. That's why. You can't join the pack until you have passed the running. Pay attention! What's the running, Baloo? The running is the hunt where you are the prey. Now, Bagheera here, you all know Bagheera, don't you? Yeah, Bagheera, friendly Bagheera. In the running... Bagheera will hunt you, and if he catches you, you fail. Thumbs up or thumbs down? The latest movie reviews with Hoxton Movies. up or thumbs down the latest movie reviews with hoxton movies welcome back to hoxton movies on hoxton radio that was oasis with stay young from the faculty soundtrack all right so now we're going to review another netflix release that kind of 
went under the radar a little bit and sort of dropped last Friday. And early word was a bit negative um, from male critics mainly. Um, mm-hmm. And I Always. was a little bit hungover on Sunday. <laughs> okay, a lot hungover, barely left my bed. Uh, so I put this on because it stars Jennifer Aniston. So of course, you know, perfect hangover viewing any film that she's in. And it turned out to be an absolute delight. Yes. It is Dumpling, and it's a, uh, a film based on a novel by Julie Murphy and it stars Danielle McDonald, who was uh, fabulous in Patty Cakes mm-hmm. which if you uh, didn't see that drop last year was her debut film I think. Yeah, um, is she Australian? Um, I want to say she's Australian. I don't know why. I do. Yes, she is. She yeah. is. Oh, I was right. Well um, and so it stars Danielle McDonald as uh, Dumpling, as she's called. By her actual name is Willa Dean, and she's a plus-size teenage daughter of a former beauty queen, played by Jennifer Aniston. And uh, the film uh, sort of opens. It's it's essentially a love letter to Dolly Parton. Really, um, the the book apparently is about um, this girl Willa Dean, who's who's raised by her mum, but primarily by her aunt who lives Mm. with them who is just this like light um and she sort of explains to willardine as a child that most of life's woes can be explained away or happy away by uh listening to dolly parton which which is is true true. yeah no one's going to argue with that (laughs) um and jennifer aniston's character um is she uh she plays uh, a former teen beauty pageant queen who's basically kind of ridden that for her entire she's life. ridden that for her whole life but she's kind of found that that's a bit of a business for her and she makes money from you know um being on the committee of the uh, of the annual event and also annual pageant and also like fixing dresses and things like that but it means that her relationship with her daughter is quite it's not estranged it's just they're they're distant mm. and Willardine has this amazing friendship with her best friend which she's had from childhood and they have this like really great sort of female solidarity that's not overplayed or overstated it's just there mm. as it is in life um, and basically Willardine decides to protest her mother's obsession with pageants by entering it and at the, the beginning it's, it is as a protest um, and what happens is because she does it another girl from her school who's a, another plus size girl big girl she she decides to um, join up and then this um, angry young girl <laughs> sort of politically motivated she joins up as well so there's this kind of band of misfits that are essentially trying to take the pageant down and infiltrate it but actually what happens is that there is a whole journey of acceptance and tolerance and Willardine decides that she's in over her head and needs some help um, putting the pageant together so so she goes to the local drag bar so she goes to the local drag bar which she finds out her aunt was very much uh, um, so a part of and so they sort of rally round the drag queens rally round who are all primarily Dolly Parton impersonators and teach Willardine and her friends how to perform and it's just so heartfelt and so sincere without being I mean it's a tiny bit cheesy here and there yeah it's a little bit sugary but um, I mean I love films about female friendship anyway so I was 100% on board I haven't mentioned it ever no I don't think I have yeah I know Um, um, so I was 100% on board I cried several times I cried several times and I I thought it might have been the hangover but then I was like no do you know what it's like Aniston produced this Jennifer Aniston produced this and she approached Dolly Parton to be a part of the project and said look you know if there's any way you could write a song for the soundtrack that would be great of course Dolly B and Dolly wrote six um, all of which are featured in the in the film and it really does work brilliantly as you know because Dolly is such a just Mm. the human condition is so summed up so neatly and so profoundly by Dolly's singing Mm. and it kind of works really nicely with this 
with this um, with this story and the acting in this is really great as well like Jennifer Jennifer Aniston so good she's so great her, her com- arc is so nice I think well her, this is the thing her comic timing is as <laughs> yeah. we know impeccable so she rings laughs mm. out of you know it's not like Drop Dead Gorgeous which is an out and out mm. satire and an attack on pageants this is actually about how you know in some certain parts of the USA this is a business mm. and sometimes it's all you can hold on to but it's mm. also a way it's a future I it's think a future it's yeah a they future, get scholarships yeah, and all that kind of stuff for these yeah. people. and I think I, 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 that's one of the things I really liked about it and it went in a direction you know perhaps you can always accuse these things of being predictable but I think actually in the end it wasn't that predictable no it wasn't I think they did what I felt I felt satisfied mm. more so because I thought oh there's a, as it was approaching the end I thought there's a there's a, a bit here where they could really under, the they could underserve what they've built up mm. and they didn't do that which is really really nice but it's the nuance in it that mm. really surprised me there's a scene between um Rosie and Willardine in the bedroom because as the film progresses uh, they both have to understand each other a bit more and, and that that is really and so I've heard some people complain about the pace of the film and actually it's not no. pace you know and other people said when the two friends fall out for a bit that the way that's all wrapped up is too neat no, no it's not it's how it perfect. happens if if that friendship is as genuine as you believe at the beginning that's exactly what would happen yeah, because I there's no it's... real reason it's actually just kind of misunderstanding mm. and Willardine finding her voice and finding out where she fits in the world you know and I, I just love uh, the scene between her and Bo as well who's the, oh, the guy that she kind of has a crush on that she works that with that scene when he tells her and it's in the trailer so it's not a spoiler when he says you know um, anyone who's told you you're, n- you're not deserving of love and it's so it's heartfelt so and, so, and it's delivered so sincerely that you're just like I want a bow. Where's my bow? You know, yeah. like everyone feels that. But it's um, it, what it says about body positivity, mm. what it says about female friendship, it's the sort of message, and it sounds really twee, but it's the sort of film that I can imagine my seven-year-old niece watching mm. and really getting a lot mm. of strength from. Because, And it sounds cheesy, but it's the sort of medium and the sort of entertainment that actually can make you laugh, make you cry, but also raise you up a little bit and give you a bit of a role model you know and I think Jennifer Aniston got behind this as a producer because she obviously wanted to put that message out there and I think she does it so so well I I really really enjoyed it you're missing a parent's signature darling you can't participate without a parent's signature Willardine Opal thank you Are you trying to get back at me for something? Why do you assume the only reason I'd sign up for the pageant is to get revenge? I'm Rosie Dixon's daughter. It runs in my blood. Besides, as far as I'm concerned, a swimsuit body is a body with a swimsuit on it. I will not have you make a mockery of me or this institution, which has been a cornerstone of our community. Since 1933, I know. I could probably recite your bylaws by now. I've heard them so many times. You know you can't enter unless I sign that form. Mom, Mm -hmm. if you don't sign that form, you're saying I'm not good enough. You're saying that every girl in this room is more deserving than me because I'm not built like them. That I don't belong here. Is that what you're saying? Well, <clears throat> what do you have planned for the, for the talent event? Oh, 
all the latest movie news on Hoxton Movies. Welcome back to Hoxton Movies on Hoxton Radio. So our last half hour, we're going to be talking movie news, uh, lots of lots of awards news. So I think we should start off with the Golden Globes because that was last week. Um, so the full list of nominations for the Golden Globes were announced and some surprises, like quite big surprises considering the critical response. For example, Bohemian Rhapsody has been nominated in Best Film Drama which mm. I was really shocked by because it's been getting not very good critical reviews. I know the audience, like mostly audiences, have quite liked it and it's been doing quite well commercially, but I but thought it's been panned collect- critically, so it's quite interesting to see this nominated. Well, I think it's more the Globes kind of re- reacting to trying to be the award ceremony that isn't dying, like the mm. Oscars as well, so like kind of listening to that public reaction. But for me, it was more it was more the drama category that mm. that was confusing the same as a star is born as well because while yeah, neither of them are necessarily conventional musicals they are musicals, musicals yeah. yeah i understand i understand why bohemian rhapsody is in drama because the music was not created for the film mm. yeah so and nobody sings in it you know it's all lip synced so mm. i get that but a star is born i thought that was odd because the mm. songs were written for the film i think it's because but i suppose because it's actually proper gigs isn't it mm. rather than them bursting but, into song I, I think still. it's more that it's trying to it's trying to split the vote in terms mm. of drama and avoid the favourite so that it doesn't get beaten by the favourite before the Oscars mm. so that it can still kind of ride that momentum but of, isn't it the Hollywood Foreign Press isn't it the journalists who decide what category a film goes in rather than the film company um, I, th- I think that's I'm I'm not entirely sure I will check that out but I th- I, th- I have a feeling that they decide which goes in which category yeah no yeah, it but is I'm sure if there's a suitcase yeah, no, the Hollywood well. no I know it is because do you remember when the Martian was nominated and, ev- and during oh, yeah, the ceremony yeah. everyone was oh, like yeah, yeah. and the Hollywood Foreign Press seemed to think the Martian is a comedy and even like Ridley Scott said I didn't think the film was that funny when he won whatever mm-hmm. he won yeah. best, best motion picture musical or comedy that yeah. one yeah, yeah. Um, so they do have some very random selections what I find weird about the best drama best uh, motion picture drama is that these are not the top five for me that I would have no. chosen. Not also, a lot of them begin with B, so I feel like they just went down an A to Z list and <laughs> didn't get very far. <laughs> to be fair, if, if Beale Street could talk, I'm... <laughs> there Sorry. you go. That's Nikki's theory, there, guys. <laughs> it's not watertight. Black Panther, but... <laughs> Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody. If Beale Street could talk, a start is. If four. Beale Street could talk, d- d- deserves to <laughs> no, be. No, I'm there. joking. I'm, I'm not saying but, they don't like, deserve yeah, no, no, to no, be no. in there. I, I think Black Panther and Black Klansman are both. Th- they don't deserve don't. to be in there, but. No? No. no, well, I, I, my issue with I love Black Panther and I'm really happy to see it there. But what I find really odd about this kind of film getting nominated in just Best Picture and in nothing else, yeah. you know, in terms of any of the other major categories, is like it's it's smacks of tokenism because yeah. because if you think that the film is worthy of a nomination, then maybe Ryan Coogler should be up for Best Director, yeah, yeah, or yeah. one of the actors should be up for. Yeah, a nomination. Very least, like Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is so good in it, and I just yeah. think he d- he would have deserved it. And I know it's it's quite an overcrowded field in the supporting categories this year, so maybe that was what the reason. Mm. But um, I'm I'm look at the end of the day, it's nitpicking because I'm just glad it's got the profile, and I have a I, I think it's definitely going to get a best picture nomination at the Oscars as well. What do you think is going to win in this category? Um, I think it's going to be a Star Is Born yes. out of these five. I agree. Morton, any predictions? Uh, Maybe. yeah, probably, but I hope if Beale Street could talk. Yeah. So for the actor actress category, uh so best actress drama, we've got Glenn Close for what uh, the wife, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, Nicole Kidman for Destroyer, Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Rosamund Pike for Private War. 
which that's a surprise. Mm. Yeah, that was a surprise to me. I and I, as much as I think Nicole Kidman's great in Destroyer, I thought the fact that the film wasn't that strong would have like not would have damaged her chances. Well, I think there's because there's stronger <laughs> performances in musical and comedy this year. So, for example, mm. Olivia Coleman and Emily Blunt are both in that category mm-hmm. for Mary Poppins Returns and The Favorite, mm-hmm. leaving room for an additional nomination or two in the Best Actress Drama. Almost all of the Best Film uh, Drama nominees are male-led as well, so it's kind of, it's a bit more of, yeah, an open field in that respect. Good point, good point. So Best Actor Drama, we've got Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Willem Dafoe for Eternity's Gate, Lucas Hedges for Boy Erased, Remy Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody and John David Washington for Black Lives Matter. Again, that was a surprise. I wouldn't... I mean, he's also been nominated for a SAG Award. I'm very surprised. Mm. John David Washington. I thought I thought Adam Driver stole that film. Mm. Um, mm. I do think he was good. Do I think he was worthy of accolades? No. no. Remy Malek, absolutely. Because whatever yeah, you feel yeah, about yeah, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, that was a sensational performance and I'm really happy that he's getting recognised for it. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't have put John David Washington in there. No. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Uh, so then Best Supporting Actress. Um, do they not split this up? Or has this just not been split no, up? No, they split the lead ones, but not the not supporting. supporting ones. Uh, so supporting, we've got Amy Adams for Vice, Claire Foy for First Man, Regina King for If Bill Street Could Talk, Emma Stone and Rachel Vice for The Favourite. Yes. Yes, Queens. Um, I'm hoping it goes to one of the people from The Favourite. I mean, I can't decide who I like better in that film. Well, do you know what I'm surprised about? Maybe Rachel Weisz. I mean, we're going to get onto the sags in a minute, but the fact that uh, Regina King has been picking up every Best Supporting mm. Actress mm. award from the critics and all that. Um, she's been nominated here, but she didn't get a SAG award nomination, mm. which is interesting because either did Claire Foy. They went for two complete... Mm. They took them out and replaced them with Emily Blunt and Margot Robbie. I think... I, I would have said if Regina King had been nominated for a SAG award that she's got a really good... Like, it's, it's tied up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Because of that, I think Rachel Weiss could slip in. I think she's the one mm. who's been getting more attention for the favourite than, yeah. even though I think Emma Stone is equally deserving. Yeah, I think um, they're both good. Yeah. Best Supporting Actor, we've got Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Timothy Chalamet for Beautiful Boy, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I mean, God, 30 years in the business, multiple brilliant performances, and my favourite, one of my, no, my favourite book about. Mm. acting in the film industry ever uh, which is called uh, With Nails if you haven't read it it's absolutely amazing uh, and Sam Rockwell for Vice now Vice very clever marketing on behalf of uh, of the film company because you know they left it right up until the last minute to drop this mm. it's Adam McKay obviously who directed the, the big short and uh, it's a comedy an out and out comedy about Dick Cheney um, I've seen some tweets where people are saying I'm a bit disappointed he made it a comedy mm. based on their you know yeah I was surprised history. when it was um, it was comedy rather than drama because it did feel like you say that they were kind of really delaying any kind of press or publicity for it and then yeah when it got nominated for comedy it was just like oh okay that doesn't feel like you followed on from the big short with like mm. the more kind of like cutting drama side of it but yeah apparently it's absolutely brilliant um Christian Bale's performance is extraordinary as you know fully committed as usual Um, I was going to say actually Amy Adams I think she's got a good shot of winning Best Supporting Actress as well actually because the Golden Globes love her she's Mm. been she's won you know for American Hustle and for Big Eyes Um, and also you know if she gets nominated for the Oscar that will be her fifth nomination Mm. in however many years with no wins Mm. and I think she's sort of widely regarded a bit like Glenn Close um, as why the hell hasn't she got an Oscar yet you know because she's been in so many great films I um, kind of think Mahershala Ali might 
steal this though no I think Richard E. Grant's going to get it you think I'd have said Adam Driver based on what we've said Mm. already as well about him stealing that film I don't know I think Black Klansman has been nominated because it's a good return to form by Spike Lee and I think it's um, but but I don't think people are really buzzing about it you know you don't hear that much talk about it and also Adam Driver you know he's still making his mark yeah 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 true interesting fact though did you know that it's not Timothy Chalamet it's Timothée Timothy. It's French Canadian, so you pronounce it Timothy. Tyrone like, watched like a the, YouTube tutorial. Like the, like the shampoo. shampoo. But nobody so says that, though. I know, but. <laughs> so it's Timothy Chalamet. Timothy. <laughs> no. It's Why it's, did he ever change it's it? It's become a thing in my house that we say it like it's a Paddy McGuinness int- intro on Let Me Out. So it's let the <laughs> Timothy see the Chalamet. Oh, God. Sorry. Back to the serious business. <laughs> Good job he got nominated. Otherwise, that would have been wasted anecdote, wouldn't it? Um, best musical f- uh, or comedy film, Crazy Rich Asians, which I'm very happy to see is in yeah, there. Yeah, me too. The Favourite, which, you know, talk about it next week, is my favourite film of the year. Uh, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. Well, you stop gushing about Mary Poppins Returns. No, it's lovely. I know. I'm really, I think this category is pretty strong, to be honest. I mean, I haven't seen Vice yet, but everything else. Mary Poppins I Returns has got a really oh, good shot of winning this, I think. I want it. I kind of want it to go to. The, it, really? Do you not think it's going to go to the favourite? I think it's going to be close between them, but I think that's the same for best actress in a musical or comedy. I think it's going to be a tough call between Emily Blunt and Olivia Coleman. It's the only mm. musical musical one in the category yeah. as well, so yeah. it could gain a lot of support in that respect rather than just being a comedy. You're right, and also. I think the favourite, even though it is like darkly comic and broad, there's also drama in it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Olivia Colman does both, whereas Emily Blunt is just out and out comedy musical. So. Yeah, the favourite's a, a comedy because it's Yorgos Lanthimos. So it's like I said yeah. before. You're right. If it was directed by anyone else, it would be a have been a drama. Do you think, even with that script? Uh, I, I think it would have been a very bad comedy mm. with anyone else directing that's it that's a good point but, that's um, a really good point I hadn't thought of it like that but you're right if it had been played straight without yeah. all of his bells and whistles you're right it might have been a because I always think of it now as a kind of if Armando Inanucci did yeah a little bit <laughs> god that would be awful um, so just rounding out the best actress category uh, Matt always already mentioned Emily Blunt Olivia Coleman. we've got Elsie Fisher for 8th grade Charlie, uh, Charlie Theron for Tully and Constance Wu for Crazy Rich Asians. Glad to see Tully's getting a bit of love. Me too. I freaking loved. I think I Tully's lo- going to be my top. Yeah, I thought, thought Charlie's brilliant. Th- yeah, and her performance is so great. Was so good as well. Yeah, Diablo Cody. Yeah, yeah. I know this year has been a weird one. I, I keep remembering films. I'm like, did that come out this year? I thought it was like last year. It's been like a long slash really mm. quick year at the same time. Uh, best actor musical comedy you've got Christian Bale for Vice Lin-Manuel Miranda for Mary it's Poppins it's really hard to say that <laughs> Viggo Mortensen for Green Book uh, Robert Redford for The Old Man and the Gun and John C. Riley for Stan and Ollie which is different yeah I, I see that as a straight fight between Christian Bale and Robert Redford <clears throat> uh, based on like the kind of vague love that's come out for Vice but also like is given it that it's his last role is it though apparently he retired and then he said he probably would come back anyway oh uh, I think this is Christian Bale's the mm. the reviews for Vice and his performance have been ecstatic so mm. I think he's going to win cool yeah and best director we got Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born Alfonso Cuaron for Roma Peter Fairley for Fairley so Farley. Farley whatever Barry. for Green Book um, the guy who did Dumb and Dumber yeah. um, Spike Lee for Black Klansman and Adam McKay for Vice uh, Bradley Cooper all the way I'd like to see Alfonso Cuaron get this 
Yeah, but he already won loads for gravity. That's true. And also, mm. like, I mean, you, based technic- on the technical mm. sort of aspects, mm. then maybe he could sneak in there. Um, and you it would be a way to... Do people re- get it for the first time? I think it would be bad for him if he got it because mm. there were a lot of first-time director mistakes in A Star is Born. I liked it, but there were a lot of things that, like, it's the first step on the learning curve. And I think yeah. if you reward him straight away, then it's just like... Could it's a bit be, of a poison be, chalice, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Could this be the one that Spike Lee gets? Considering no. he might not get no no I don't think song. so it's no? between Bradley Cooper and Alfonso Cuarón Cuarón mm. uh, so best song uh, all the stars from Black Panther girl in the movies from Dumplin' yes <laughs> Rec Room for a Private War uh, from a Private War Revelation from Boy Raised and Shallow from A Star Is Born I'm pretty sure it's going to get Shallow right yeah. but I have to say that's a very strong category mm. all those songs are really really great I'm really glad to see Troy Zavans in there with uh, mm. Revelation because that is a great track um, from Boy Raised yeah, um, so I think it's going to be A Star Is Born but also it's exciting because I think Black Panther soundtrack or Black mm. Panther songs are going to get nominated for the Oscars which means Kendrick Lamar is going to perform at yeah, the Oscars that and that will jazz things up a bit especially when there's no host no, mm. oh yeah, we'll get to that. So it's going to be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. Um, so screenplay is Alfonso Cuarón for Roma, Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. Namara? McNamara. McNamara. Nice. For The Favourite, Barry Jenkins for Bill Street Couture, Adam McKay for Vice, Nick Vallelonga, Be- uh, Brian Curry and Peter Farrelly for Green Book. If mm. Vice is an out-and-out comedy, then I would expect Adam McKay, actually, because it's going to have mm. a few on the nose political jokes probably mm. um, it's it's again like I said my problem with the favourite is that I can picture the bad version of that screenplay being directed which would suggest it's not the actually the best screenplay in the well, world but they've won a lot of screenplay yeah. awards from the critics so I wouldn't discount them mm. I think Barry Jenkins could get and you know for this because it's you know an yeah, adaptation possibly. that's done well and it's rare, the first so. ever adaptation of James Baldwin and James, as well exactly, yeah. and it's a very respectful adaptation so it carries weight so yeah, yeah. and best language uh, best foreign language Kapanam Girl Never Look Away Roma and Shoplifters where Such is Cold War where is Cold yeah, War is Cold definitely War, yeah. uh, Capernaum is beautiful it's so so good like you genuinely forget when you're watching it that it's not a documentary like the amount mm. of times when i was watching it at lff i was just like just help those children like help mm. them and then i was like oh no it's it's fiction um girl, girl is really strong really as well good. i haven't seen it i uh, know i really want the one that won it won it um the, 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 the london film festival i think it, it was it was there i think it was yeah first feature award it won yeah. possibly and it, it was really really strong as well uh yeah that's a strong category i think roma's gonna win yeah yeah um, i think it's just got the uh momentum yeah and then best score uh marco beltrami for a quiet place alessandra desplat for isle of dogs ludwig goranson for black panther justin horowitz for first man and mark shaman for mary poppins returns Surely this is Mary Poppins Returns. Do you know? Depends on what they're going for in terms of score. I find it weird that Black Panther is in there considering like the music you remember from it is the the soundtrack, not the score. Yeah. I think a quiet place, like the use of sound in that is very good. I I didn't see First Man. Do you see a quiet place got a best screenplay nomination from one of the critics? (laughs) It's like Guys, there's like three words in it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like for no for the for the stage directions. Awards. It was good. they're sent the script, so like they'll have re- actually read them yeah. as well as watching the film, yeah. supposedly. But uh, do you think uh, that happened? No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and finally, for the film categories, I think we should just stick with film this week because um, we've got a couple of other things to get through before the end of the show. Incredibles two, Isle of Dogs, 
Mirai, which I haven't seen. Ralph Breaks the Internet and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, so Mirai is the anime one that's kind of risen oh, from the yeah, ashes yeah, 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 yeah. of Ghibli. Yes. Uh, it's, got a, it's probably going to go to Incredibles 2, even though it doesn't I, really deserve it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's not. So it's not even that great. Incredibles 2 is a good yeah. animation achievement in the sense that they've controlled themselves and not animated it well. In the <laughs> sense that they've kind of... they've they've watched Incredibles again and gone like oh yeah let's keep this visually consistent but it's not it's not that pretty to look at Isle of Dogs maybe because it's stop motion but I don't think the film is good enough to like stay in people's minds from what I'm hearing about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and how it blends quite a lot of different uh, styles of animation in it I really wouldn't be surprised if that does kind of like gather a lot of speed and like stop even being a dark horse very soon Okay, and then SAG Awards were also announced this week. Yeah, by Aquafina and Laverne Cox. Um, they announced the awards and were having great bants with each other as I watched it live yesterday. Yeah. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born led the film nominations with four nods, including Best Actor for Cooper, Best Actress for Gaga, Best Ensemble, and Best Supporting Actor for Sam Elliott, which is good because Sam Elliott got ignored by the Globes. Mm. And I do think that's one of the most deserving... Yeah, I think his performance. Is I think really I think you know, like, there's not a huge amount of uh, backstory or anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you get a gist of of their relationship, but it's more what he does with the scenes that he's in, and how he sort of adds a bit of gravitas to uh, Bradley Cooper's. Sorry, I mean that scene where they're in the car together, and he and Bradley Cooper has that statement to him, and you just his eyes fill. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just really powerful. Yeah. So I, I'm glad he got nominated. Black Klansman and the Favorite followed close behind, both taking home, uh, home a trio of nominations. And um, what's good though, what I really like is it makes the Oscars less predictable in terms of nominations because yeah. the Globes and the SAG have gone for different people mm. not entirely but enough to make the race more interesting um, outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role you've got Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins Returns Glenn Close for The Wife Olivia Coleman for The Favourite Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me which is great isn't that the same as the no, because Rose. Em- no, oh, no. Uh, Rosamund Pike is a oh, yeah, best yeah, yeah, actress yeah, yeah. in a drama. Yeah, sure. But it's like I said, the, the two strong from the female comedy mm. category and the Globes have both made it into this category. Mm. So I think this is actually going to be pretty... This is pretty. No, this is going to be what it's the Oscar lineup. I think. Yeah, I think I. they all seem like they're going to be the Oscar lineup. I, I reckon. For, um... Gargoyle's going to be pleased. She's nudged out Nicole Kidman and other people in her first film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like this because they have uh, like outstanding performance by a cast. So you have like a kind of ensemble um, nomination. So you've got A Star Is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Crazy Rich Asians. And I kind of really hope it goes to Crazy Rich Asians because I absolutely love that film and I think I, it's an ensemble film. It's, I agree. It's surprising that The Favourite isn't in that yeah. list of nominations though because like yes. I feel like The Favourite could actually just end up walking away with nothing. Because like it's they're gonna split the vote in the supporting role. Like I I, I have mm. no doubt about that. And quite frankly, I think while she's brilliant in it, Olivia Coleman's role is more of a supporting role. Like mm. it's they've put it's Emma Stone three, and three Rachel Weisz yeah. in it because in supporting because they can't decide which of those two is the well lead. no actually the it was the actress's decision so Emma, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz asked to be put in supporting for all of the awards okay. uh, uh, consideration because they wanted Olivia Colman front and centre because obviously the film centres around her character she's not yeah. a supporting part obviously everybody's vying for her attention and all that so um, I 
I'm disappointed to not see the favorite in there. I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody is an ensemble film. I think mm. it. I think there's two good before. Like Rami Malek is amazing, and then the guy that plays Brian May is really good. Uh, the rest of the cast they do a good job, but nobody really stands out on it apart yeah. from Rami Malek. So I think that's a bizarre nomination. From um, that list, I would like to see Black Panther. I would say I think there's a yeah I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of solid performances mm. in Black Panther, and it's like you said that that nomination doesn't strike a tokenism because it is just a lot of small parts that it's difficult to oh, kind yeah, of Oh yeah, that's pinpoint. a way to reward the whole cast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose, definitely. I suppose you could argue that that's what, how you do it in Best Film in the Golden yeah, Globes yeah, as well. Yeah. But for some reason, it just feels like it's kind of, it kind of sticks out like, a, like, like well, it's yeah, not... Well, yeah, no, it's like know. you said, when it's not in any other category, it's just like it's the cast doesn't just make the film like no. you need at least a screenplay nomination as well I would say yeah and also SAG Awards are rewarding actors yeah, alone, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. it makes sense for it to be amongst that and it's a massive ensemble so yeah um, it makes sense I'm, I'm surprised Vice isn't in there because that was getting loads of love for um, for its cast but again there's a lot of films that are kind of two or three handers like the favourite like Vice mm. you know where their performance has been recognised in other award shows but not necessarily they're not exactly right for the SAG Awards um I think it's interesting as well. Outstanding uh, performance by a female actor in a sporting role. Amy Adams for Vice, who looks like she's going to be in every mm. light running. Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. Now, people are saying as well, that was a leading performance, so yeah. what's it doing? But obviously, with Mary Poppins' return, she wasn't going to get two nods for, mm. for Best Actress. Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots. Again, interesting that that is the nomination for the film, because I would have thought Saoirse Ronan might have been more of a contender yeah yeah. Um, Emma Stone for the favourite Rachel Vice for the favourite so uh, I'm Regina King where's Regina King it's really odd that if Beale Street could talk have been completely mm. left off this yeah and it's it's not got a lot of love with some critics I think a lot of people kind of criticised uh, Jenkins for adapting the book almost too faithfully they were just like no you should have cut out some of the flab from it but I think I, I think that's a really harsh criticism when like I've said it's the first time James Baldwin has been adapted for the screen and he's such an important writer that it's it's just an artist paying respect to another artist that a lot of people might not have heard of and I think it's really unfair that he's now coming in for criticism from that because like James Baldwin is a beautiful beautiful writer that like should be known by more people mm. and now because of no nominations he's kind of he might not be mm. and it just seems really unfair um, before we finish we just say something quickly about the Oscar yes, yes, host yes, that's what I was so, yeah because we don't have an Oscar host at the moment which is never ever happened before you know we was, they were saying in the news that Kimmel um, knew he had the gig like in May of mm. the year before so as you would have read in the news because it was everywhere Kevin Hart the comedian Kevin Hart was hired by the Academy to be the host and then three days later is no longer because uh, some mm. homophobic tweets um, that he 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 sent out back I think 2011 it was a long time ago um, were brought up by the uh, by Glad who uh, complained and said that they didn't think he was the Super Bowl host particularly mm. in a year where mm. there's a lot of films that are LGBT focused yeah. um, so it started this debate about whether because Ke what Kevin Hart did was he refused to make an apology to keep the gig what he did was he gave up the gig mm. and then apologised on his own terms which I have to say I've, I've got I, I don't uh, obviously his tweets were ridiculous abhorrent nowhere justifiable mm. but what I did appreciate was the way he handled it it wasn't like he was saying it to save his bacon and keep the gig he walked away from something that he obviously really wanted to do doesn't excuse it I think what it's sloppy 
Yes, yeah, someone is the academy. Yes, yeah, someone right. in Google. the academy is the one that yeah. needs to be fired because one hundred percent. There was a Guardian article before he got fired that literally it's not just a tweet; it's his entire career and yeah. persona, and they kind of listed just a handful of examples like beyond the tweets as well before he got fired, and it was just like, yeah, how has someone in the academy not just been like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Like it's just it's because he's been unrepentant with it in the past as well. It's just like people have offered him a chance to apologize for like some of his stand up routines about like fearing that his son would grow up gay and mm. he's just not and it's just Well, yeah. do you remember the thing something similar happened with Brett Ratner when he was producing yeah. the show and he had hired Eddie Murphy as the host and then Brett Ratner was doing some Q and A or some panel yeah, and he yeah, made yeah. some homophobic remark and then he left and then Eddie Murphy wouldn't do it because he wasn't on board. Um the thing about this is though it's such a huge gig and also it's, again it's a bit of a poison chalice yeah, isn't it yeah. like nobody who's been approached apparently wants to do it because by now they'd have gone through the Rolodex of suitable um, candidates for the job and obviously people are turning it down you couldn't Tina Fey and Amy Poehler they've done their stint now and, and they've raised mm. the bar so high that's the other problem um, I've always been like mm, talk show hosts who have no relation to the film industry mm. apart from being friends with celebrities um, but Jimmy Kimmel did a great job um, it wouldn't be bad to have him back but you know there's all this thing of saying well where are the women and where are the LGBT mm. um, hosts that are being considered and they're not and it's it's Let's get Ellen back Mm. I don't know if she'd do it she's obviously been asked I mean Whoopi's Mm. probably well actually I was watching The View the other day because I'm obsessed with The View (laughs) and Whoopi Goldberg was talking about this and she said you know it is a really hard gig but you do need a certain amount of time to be able to prepare for it properly and then she said I would do it if they asked me and they haven't asked her which again it's so interesting the, the way the producers wrangle it all and decide what works they they need to get the ratings up Mm. because it's been going down for years and apparently last year's was the the lowest telecast in terms of ratings um so that's obviously the decision behind getting kevin hart in was that he'll draw in a younger audience and you know he'll be doing his comedy bits it'll be kind of Mm. like stand up while people are winning oscars um and that's backfired horribly but people are saying now like do it without a host what do you think of that no i mean how are they supposed to do i mean it might be shorter it'll make it a lot quicker (laughs) yeah Yeah, it basically just, just presents just, just presenters coming on, and because they the SAG Awards never really had a presenter, although this year Megan Mullally, yeah. Will and Grace, yes, but no, they um, yeah, I mean it could work, but it wouldn't be as grand, I don't think. So no, I mean they have been talking about making it shorter, haven't they? In some ways. Yeah, I mean they could it's do so long. But the thing is, like, I yeah, wouldn't mind. It, I wouldn't mind if they trimmed all the music numbers <laughs> if it was like country and ballads and stuff like that. But now they're putting in rap and hip hop and some funky tunes. It's like the music interludes are actually all right. I don't mind the music. I like the music because I think the music is. It, it's nice to have like. What do you want to get rid of? In memoriam. No, uh, <laughs> I think getting rid of the host. Some of the host bits are really awkward when they try and make really awkward like parodies or like skin uh, skits, skits or um, try to do little sketches that just don't work. It is actually funnier when the hosts kind of do the hosts, the presenters do stuff, and then you've got the musical elements. Yeah, I don't. I've never really liked opening monologue. Can be a bit, a bit dry. dry. Final word: If Go you on. could choose anybody to host the Oscars, who would it be? Just one person, just off the top of your head. Just who? 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 Tiffany Haddish, Maya Rudolph, Nick Offerman. Ooh, Ooh strong. Hoxton movies with the Genesis Cinema only on Hoxton Radio.